Good morning, church. <clears throat> I tell you what, I was uh, visiting with the, some folks earlier. And uh, where did y'all say you were from? Washington. They've been here before, and uh, I think we're baptized here and are back. But they were here back in the summertime. And I said, well, the weather's changed a little bit. And we're grateful for it, right? Man, aren't we though? Very, very grateful. Uh, I tell you, the uh, the Lord's been good to us, and so uh, we want to uh, dive into His Word a little bit today. Uh, and before we do, I want to get our our scripture reader up, Tomas Gutierrez is going to read our scripture for us. He's a middle schooler at Westridge, plays football. And uh, glad to have him as a part of our church family. He's going to share the verse with us today. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Elias non-tentation. Thank you, Thomas. Great job, young man. Great job. The title of today's sermon is called Three Sinners' Prayers. We're going to be in Luke 18 to begin with, so (coughs) if you want to turn over there. As you can tell, I've got a little bit of a cough problem going on. Uh, And uh, I do thank you for your prayers. Uh, Recently, I was, uh, as I mentioned before, was in the hospital, and y'all prayed for me so much, so many people uh, sent me cards and texts and stuff, and I thank you. And somebody said, uh, hey, Mike, are you 100%? And I said, well, I, I don't know, but I, I really wasn't 100% when I went in. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, if I could get, you know, that, that'd be awesome. So, But I'm a whole lot better, and uh, and I, I give glory to God and encouragement to you about that because that's uh, uh, you had such a big part of that. Uh, it is good to it is good to be together though. I always miss my church family when we're not together, right? And uh, I don't know about you, it's important to me that togetherness has uh, uh, a special place for me in my heart. Where we are, as we like to say around here, our forever family. And so um, uh, we're going to try to make it through this sermon as a forever family. <clears throat> I've got a cough drop in the corner of my mouth. And as I'm speaking, and uh, Tommy mentioned to me before this morning about the guy that did that. And he was just going to, you know, let it melt. And when it, when it ended, then he would end his sermon. But he accidentally put a button in there and preached an hour and a half. And uh, so I assure you there's no button in there today, okay? All right. If you'll, if you'll put up with me a little bit today, I appreciate it. Um, by the way, a, a little update on last week's contribution. Uh, uh, we uh, are now at uh, over $114,000 given for One Kingdom Sunday. When I started to type in the number in my notes, I put an extra zero and I thought, wow, we didn't get, you know, uh, we didn't get quite that much, uh, but... <laughs> 
but we got a great, great blessing. So thank you all for your generosity so very, very much. People are going to be blessed all over the world for that. Well, <coughs> excuse me. When I think of uh, or hear the phrase a sinner's prayer, uh, growing up that was fighting words because I was going to out argue somebody that, that ain't the way you get saved. You know, it's 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 the gospel, it's baptism, it's a whole host of not just it's not just mentally consenting and saying a prayer, and 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 I get all that. This is not that's not what this sermon's about. There is no such thing as a non-sinner's prayer except when Jesus prayed. Right? Because last time I checked, is there any sinners in the house? Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm glad that everybody's on the same page here. When, uh, when the book of Luke talks about prayer several different places, and we're going to get to a lot of, we're going to deal with two of them. Uh, today, two different contexts, and then uh, there'll be some more dealt with down the road. But I want to start in Luke chapter 18. Let's do a little reading. Verse 9. Luke 18, verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness, and they looked down on everybody else, Jesus told them a story. Okay, got the audience? They're confident in their own righteousness. They think they got it all together. And they kind of look down on everybody else. Now, Jesus is going to tell them a little parable to help them out. Here's our first sinner's prayer. Two men went up to the temple to pray, on uh, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed, about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Second prayer. But the tax collector stood at a distance. <clears throat> he would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The Pharisee, in this first prayer, he stood at the front. And they're at the temple. And uh, near the front, right where there's a stone balustrade uh, thing that divided the priest court from the others, he got as close to the priest court as he could. And he's standing out there in front of everybody else. And he spoke about himself. He was blind to his own arrogance. It's amazing how much pride blinds us. We can so easily see the weaknesses and, and, and sinfulness of other people and yet not see it in ourselves. So this guy's prayer was all about him. Uh, it was all about how he was better than somebody else. 
Lord, I'm grateful you didn't make me like this old boy down here. And, he, I, I, and look, he had to know he was there. He calls him out. He's a tax collector. You know, robbers, adulterers. Oh, and that guy over there. I'm glad you didn't make me like him. That's the way this guy prayed. His prayer was full of pride, blind to his own sin. And then you've got the comparison to the tax collector. Now, the tax collector in that day, that wasn't a good job. He's a Jew too, but the difference is everybody in the whole Jewish nation looked down on him because he embezzled money from everybody. He took, a, he had a section he was responsible for from collecting taxes, and that was usually owned by another publican over him, and that kind of franchised that thing out, and everybody got cut off the money, and whatever you could get ever out of everybody, that's what you took. So he, that wasn't a good thing to be known as a tax collector. Matter of fact, if you were called that, that's like calling you a dirty name. And everybody in the community knew it. And so when he comes to the temple court to himself to pray, first of all, there's got to be this, what are you doing here? I mean, you know, because all the other Jews look down on him. And you, you're going to pray? So that's what Jesus makes this comparison for these people to really see what's going on. And this guy, he stands not up close He stands at a distance. He's at the edge of the court. And he spoke about mercy. He spoke about the condition of his own heart. Look what it says about him. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me. And in some versions it says a sinner. Actually, it's the definite article there. It's the word the, the sinner. He says, I'm the sinner when he responds to him. God have mercy on me, the sinner. It's me. That's his plea. He makes no defenses. He doesn't say, he doesn't state his religious activity He'd like the other guy did who said, look, I give a tenth and I fast twice a week and I do all the religious activity and so I'm, I'm right there, I'm good. He doesn't bring out, whether he did anything good or not, he didn't bring that up. He only says, by his heart and attitude, I don't deserve to approach you, but God, please have mercy on me. What a striking teaching to those that are sitting there listening to Jesus do this comparison. When they've been the ones that have wrapped themselves in their robes and, and, and put the commandments around their heads on bands and, and have been out fasting in front of other people and showing their giving. And all of a sudden Jesus says, that is not what it's all about. And do we need to hear that sometimes? ourselves it is not about us and our religious goodness anything we do at all to honor god must honor god and not ourselves and we do not go around praying in such a way that we talk about all the good things in our prayers 
about ourselves. It's arrogance, right? We know what arrogance is. It's that, it's that disease. It's, it's like conceit. It makes everybody sick except the guy that has it. Right? And Jesus makes this stark uh, comparison. Here's one sinner's prayer. I ain't no good. It's full of pride, full of arrogance. Here's another sinner's prayer that says, this guy here, he's going home justified. And why? What's the teaching? Because if you exalt yourself... God's going to humble you. But if you humble yourself, God exalts you. Now let's look at one other prayer. Luke chapter 11. By the way, let me make one more, one more comment about the tax collector because of his heart. <clears throat> True contrition is always expressed by honest confession. When a person's heart is really moved and they're contrite, then then you have that honest confession about their own heart. And that's where he was. God, have mercy on me, the sinner. He understood the ugliness of his own life, but he also understood the greatness of the mercy of God. Now, in John chapter, or in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just like John taught his disciples. Which I thought that was interesting. They understood and saw that John had been teaching his disciples to pray. And they got that message and that, hey, look, we can learn that too from Jesus. So he does. He said to them, when you pray, now he's going to give them a pattern, so to speak. That's not just an outside model, but has some inside guts to it, right? He says, excuse me, first thing he says, when you say, Father, Father. Now, I want you to go to the end of this, uh, uh, not the end of the chapter, but the end of this context in verse uh, 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He's going to start this little section with Father, and he's going to end it with Father. Now, he says Father, and with the where we get the word Abba, Father... Remember Romans 8, we can cry out to God with the help of the Spirit. We can say, Abba, Father. And I understand that's an endearing term. But look, I, I, I heard a, a guy saying one time, and matter of fact, he actually said it in his prayer. He said, Dear Daddy. And I get what he's trying to understand. He's trying to get that emotional connection of a child and father. Uh, but I want us to be careful. Don't lose in the endearment of having a great father as a child. Do not lose the respect and reverence of the holiness of our God. 
Because one of the things that we've lost in our culture is not only respect for one another, but we've lost the respect for the Almighty God. If you don't think that's true, just listen how people use His name in vain. And we'll even do it ourselves if we're not careful. Using the name of God in an improper way. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. Holy, great God, with respect and reverence, yet with the closeness of a father. Those two things combined exist when we say father. The holiness of God, the respect and reverence of the creator of the universe. And yet he listens to me with care and love because I'm his child. So Jesus says, you're coming to him as children, but you're coming to a holy God. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Not only is it an acknowledgement of respect and relationship, but then he goes on to mention the Father's agenda, the Father's plan. That's what he tells them to pray about. Your kingdom come. In the longer versions in Matthew, thy will be done. Remember? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The kingdom is the will of the Father. And he's got a plan for that. He's got an agenda for that. And we need to, in our prayer life, acknowledge and remember that we are part of a great and mighty plan laid out by the Father. And we get to be a part of it. I remember the first time I ever baptized anybody. Uh, in fact, I was thinking about it this weekend because my, my nephew called me. And they've been ha- from up in uh, uh, Valonia, Arkansas. And they've been having some young adults come to their house for just a Bible study. And, and uh, uh, a couple of them asked him. They said, uh, uh, hey, Jeremy. His name is Jeremy. He said, Jeremy, would you... Uh, we want you to baptize us in your swimming pool. And uh, he's like, he texts me. He said, I'm texting because I'm in the deer stand. So, you know, he's got that part going. Uh, he texts, so in other words, don't call me right now. But he texts me. He said, but I, I've never baptized him. I don't know what to say. What, do I, what am I supposed to say? So later on, we had a conversation about that. Uh, I remember the first guy, he was a teenager up in Council Bluffs, Iowa. We were on a campaign, and I baptized this, this young guy I'd studied with. I was all nervous, one of, my, one of my first Bible studies. And a guy that had helped teach me how to share the gospel was a guy named L.C. Lewis that used to be around here years ago. Some of you remember L.C. He was my partner. And old L.C., he a uh, great guy. She loved to share the gospel. He taught me how to share. And so he said, you, you teach this guy. And we taught. And that night after church on Wednesday, that guy wanted to be baptized. And he was real nervous. He's a tall, skinny, red-headed kid. And we got in the baptistry, had one of those glass fronts on it, you know. And so, uh, uh, I, I got, I'm, I'm nervous. I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to say either. And they, nobody gave me baptism 101 lesson, you know. You make them hold their hand and then roll so you can hold both and you, you know, all that kind of stuff. Nobody told me that. 
So I, I get in there with the guy. I'm about as nervous as he is. What I don't realize, he's scared of water. He's in there and he's shaking. And so I say, uh, I, I say, I'm going to baptize you. What I, what I heard in my, my whole life, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for forgiveness for your sins. I'm hoping I said the right thing. And so I just take him under. I don't give him any warning. And so when I go to baptize him, of course, people are gathered up at the front. You know, it's in front. He grabs a hold of the glass. And I got him under. And he's hanging on. And, and I'm like, and the preacher's trying to get his hand off the glass. He's starting to bubble. And I've, I've either got to bring him up or send him to heaven right then. And I'm not sure if you can go half baptized. So I bring him up. And I know I'm raised how I was raised. All body parts have to go under at the same time. So I grab his hands and I take him to the bottom again. And we get that guy saved. Twice saved, I guess. I don't know. But the poor guy was already scared of water and I made him do it two times. I tell you what I do remember about that, though. What I remember the most is that night when we got to the place we were standing, I was laying in the bed thinking and reading scripture, and I was thinking, God, I, you know my own mess ups. I mean, why did you, why do you let me be involved in something so great, such an activity? I, I don't understand why you, there's so many other people out there that could do better than I, I but you let me be involved in your activity on earth kingdom activity on earth your will being done in the lives of other people and i get to be a part of that our father who art in heaven how would be your name your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven i thought what an honor what an honor to be involved in kingdom activity. Then he says this about in his prayer. He says that uh, the present needs are taken care of. Give us this day our daily bread. Just a very simple and yet consciousness. And I, I can't help but believe that those people of Jewish heritage did not think back to manna being provided when they were delivered out of Egypt, just daily, daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Past sin, present needs of daily bread, past sins forgiven. Forgive us our trespasses. And Father, keep our heart where we're forgiving those that trespass against us. That activity of forgiveness going and coming in our life. Over and over again. We continually receive the forgiveness of God. We continually practice that principle in the lives of the relationships that we have. Don't ask God for forgiveness when you're not willing to forgive other people. Doesn't work that way. And then the promise. The future. He understands the fight still goes on. He wants the disciples to understand when they pray. Look, you have a relationship that's full of respect for God the Father. You're involved in kingdom activity. Your daily things are being taken care of. You have experienced the forgiveness of sins and you offer that to other people. 
But not only that, you're still in the fight. So lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from evil. The fight goes on. And then there's that promise through the rest of the teaching. Where he says, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And the other inside uh, answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him the bread because he's his friend. Yet, because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Because the guy just keeps asking, right? Now, I'm always a question mark about this part of the teaching of Jesus. Is it because the guy is persistent and that's what he's teaching? Or is he showing a great contrast? Between how the Father is and how human beings are. So I say to you, ask, and it'll be given to you. Actually, these are in the present tense. It says, keep on asking. Keep on seeking, and you'll find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be open. That leads us back to where we started. If you know how to give, as evil people, how to give good gifts to your children, don't you think the Father and the relationship that He has knows how to give good gifts to you when you ask, especially the Holy Spirit? The promise is we have a good Father, so keep on asking, keep on seeking, Because he knows how to answer your prayers. Now, I'll tell you, to be honest with you, it's difficult. The uh, the keep on asking and keep on seeking. Have any of you got weary in asking? Weary in seeking? You've prayed for somebody... Days, turns into weeks, turns into months, turns into years. And it doesn't seem like God is answering that prayer. And you want to just say, I I don't understand, God, why this is working like this. And you think if you can make sense of it, you feel better about it, right? Susan and I had a little difficult time getting kids here back when we were young. And uh, you lose the first pregnancy, and you're like, well, you know, people say that's normal, that happens, and so you swallow that pill, and okay, and happens again a second time, and you're like, okay, Lord, what do you want me me to learn from this? I, I could have learned it with just one time, but okay, too. It happens a third time, then it happens a fourth time. And finally, you're like, okay. I, I I realize I don't understand, and you know what? I guess I ain't gonna understand. Then that fifth pregnancy, we have a beautiful little red-headed girl born to us. My prayer child, 
which I didn't ever think we'd have any. We got one, and lo and behold, uh, the extra cream uh, was the, a couple years later, a young boy was born. Got one of each. It seems like another lifetime to me now on this end of it. During the time, I can't understand because I've been praying and I've been what I think is being faithful to God. And I've been studying the word and reading, trying to have an Abraham kind of faith, you know, that God calls things that are not as though they already were. I tried to do that in my prayer life. I said, God, thank you for this ahead of time because I know you're going to make this happen. Yet it was so hard sometimes to keep believing that something good was going to come out of what had started in some bad situations. I, I don't know where you are on your journey, but I just want to encourage you. Don't give up on God. Because he's got all kinds of activity going on around you you cannot see. And he's working in our world, even though we are broken people, around broken situations. And yet through that brokenness, God still brings about great things. So maybe my prayer shouldn't have been all about what I want and should have been more about God lead me into your kingdom activity and your will. I appreciate your forgiveness and that that's good enough. But Jesus said, you just keep on asking. It's okay. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. The Father knows how to give good gifts. And even though you may not figure out the timing of it and all those kinds of things, He really does know what's best and has your best interest at heart. And a lot of times it ain't about me. So that's the problem with my prayers. (laughs) One of the things that... uh, I do now when I pray. I go out walk in the mornings a lot of times and I pray. And before I get into personal needs, I always pray this prayer. Because it helps center me back to understanding I've got a relationship with the Father. It's not dependent on me. I owe Him respect and reverence. I need to be concerned about the kingdom work his will being done. I need to pray for His will to be done. Not mine. I need to be appreciative of the daily things He gives me. And have gratitude for the forgiveness that I have and practice that in my relationships. And then as, then as I go into my battle for the day, I know He'll be there to deliver me and take care of me. Then I can pray about some other specific things, even for myself. I don't know how you do your prayer life. I've tried writing prayers down. Sometimes that's a good thing, I think. That's helped me a few times. Uh, I do better outside. seems like praying out loud. Obviously, God's everywhere. The place doesn't really matter, right? Uh Jesus did go off away from people to pray at times, and and the, the disciples noticed that, and they wanted to understand that life and have it themselves, and said, teach us to go and pray like you do. 
One man said prayer is the gymnasium of the soul. It's where you get spiritually in shape when you wrestle and pray with God. Don't miss out on the greatest spiritual source to help you make it through the day by not approaching your day with dependence on a Father who loves you and wants the best for your life. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to uh, I want us to stand up. That stand up, just real simple. Get up. There you go. Everybody, both rooms, stand up. We do what we do at what we do every Friday night. Just you can step across the aisle, grab somebody's hand. It's okay. They won't bite you. Now I'll, I'll do it quick because I know I see some guys holding hands, and there's a time limit on how long they can do that. Stretch across, grab somebody's hand. We're going to touch and agree here as we pray together as a church out loud. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And the church said? Amen. 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 If you want a father like that, you haven't got it. The invitation is for you. If you have a need to come to the Father with anything with our family, the invitation is for you. You can come while we sing.